You're listening to ZZ Talk, a father-son generational podcast where we talk about entertainment, culture, and a variety of other subjects from the perspectives of both Gen Z and Gen X. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. So the end of October has come, which means we are talking about 1978's Halloween. This is, um, well, this is, I think, the quintessential Halloween movie. I think that's fair to say. And I would also say it created a genre. Would you say that's true, Noah? Uh, I definitely would, especially since we've yeah. watched- The slasher movie. film genre. Yeah, and we yeah. watched two movies that have come after Halloween, right. so I think we were able to uh, definitely see the inspiration of where that came from. For sure. So there have been, I don't know, seven, eight, nine Halloween movies since 1978, but our focus today is going to be on the original film, which stars Donald Pleasance, Nick Castle, PJ Souls, Nancy Loomis, Charles Cyphers, Kyle Richards, who apparently is one of those housewives because your mom has talked about her being one of the housewives. Brian Andrews, and of course, introducing Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode. So one of the interesting things about the last three movies is that we have, I mean, they're older films, but the, each one has introduced a celebrity that, um, well, that's not true. Friday the 13th didn't necessarily introduce Kevin Bacon, but we know because of our discussion about A Nightmare on Elm Street that Johnny Depp was introduced in that film. And this one introduces Jamie Lee Curtis. So it's pretty clear that this is a genre of film where I think uh, burgeoning stars or new stars will find their footing in some cases. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about with this film today is why is it that some people rose to celebrity status, big time celebrity status. In this case, Jamie Lee Curtis has an Oscar now. Um, and others, you almost never see again. So it's worthy of conversation. But Noah, why don't you tell us a little bit about the box office, the budget, and give us a synopsis, if you will, of Halloween, the original film from 1978. Yeah, sure thing. I just wrote this all up here. Now, uh, I'm sure you Halloween, did. Halloween 1978. The, the John Carpenter movie uh, was made on a $300,000 to $325,000 budget, and it made $70 million, which is an unbelievable return, which stands to reason why it created a genre within itself. It runs at 91 minutes, so pretty lean. For I the love movie. it. I'm sure you enjoyed that for sure. And um, let's go ahead and grab that synopsis over here. So we have On a Cold Halloween Night in 1963. Six-year-old Michael Myers brutally murdered his 17-year-old sister, Judith. He was sentenced and locked away for 15 years. But on October 30th, 1978, while being transferred for a court date, a 21-year-old Michael Myers steals a car and escapes Smith's Grove. He returns to his quiet hometown of Haddonfield, Illinois, where he looks for his next victims. All right, and that's pretty much all you need to know. And to be honest, no spoilers. That is kind of the plot of every Halloween movie for uh, that we've seen so far. So and almost and almost the plot of every slasher film in some ways. This is certainly the original, but most of them are a variation of that, right? Um, yeah. So tell me about your experience going into this. Uh, we we have established before this episode that neither one of us have seen it, 
It is uh, 45 years old this year. So why in the world, Noah, have you not seen the original Halloween? Well, um, I think that for the most part, it was one of those things where I always knew I'd get around to it. I saw Halloween 2018, uh, which is kind of a soft reboot. That was good. That was legitimately good. I saw Halloween Kills. We reviewed that on the podcast. That was not very good, but had some entertainment value. And then I watched Halloween Ends, which I did not enjoy really at all. Now, since I don't really have that much investment in the franchise, but I'm obviously willing to watch pretty much any classic horror movie or any movie for the podcast, felt like it was a good way to end off the season. So I didn't really have too many expectations going in, but um, I did watch it in one sitting and that was last night. So honestly, pretty easy to get through, um, but I, I, I didn't really, I knew it was a classic, but I guess the number one thing I was thinking about was since this is older and this kind of established the slasher genre, Will this be better or worse than Friday the 13th and a movie like uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah, I remember in 1978, I mean, I didn't see this either. And of course, I was 10 in 1978. But I remember my brother, your uncle Mark, going to see this. And of course, he's eight years older than me. So, you know, 18 at the time. And he just, you know, he would like a movie like this. And and he did. And, uh, you know, I think it was probably pretty novel at the time because you hadn't necessarily seen a slasher film like this, and um, which is why it probably was as successful as it was. I'll, I'll tell you quickly that I did not see any of the sequels to this until Halloween Kills. I didn't see the remake in 2017 of Halloween, I, which was widely praised um, as being quite a good film and quite a good... Uh, well, recreation of the original film. I saw Halloween Kills. I thought it was absolutely terrible. Um, and then I saw Halloween Ends, and I kind of liked it. So unlike you, uh, most people, I think, were really disappointed in Halloween Ends, but I really thought it was pretty inventive. Now, keep in mind, I watched both of those films with really very little context, well, almost no context. Let me rephrase that. No context. Um, I mean, obviously, I knew that Michael Myers was the antagonist and i knew that um you know jamie lee curtis was the protagonist and you know let's face it they have to have been going through a version of the same thing for every one of these films in order to keep it going so that was the way i entered it i for the same reason you said i thought well i'd get around to it or aren't they all the same kind of thing but um i finally sat down and i watched it in one sitting as well and um you know, it's easy for me to do that when it's 91 minutes. So this has been a terrific month for me, all these 91 minute films, except for Rosemary's Baby. So I want to say thank you for that. Um, and I look forward to finding other suitably short films, um, mostly in the horror genre is is how we are successful in doing that, right? Right, absolutely. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, get into what we thought of it. So would you like me to offer my opinion first? Or would you like to offer up your own? I would like to hear your opinion first. I think I know what it is, but I want to hear it. Yeah, um, this movie is leagues better than Friday the 13th. I think that for its budget, it did a phenomenal job of being a really good horror movie in the sense of building tension and atmosphere and that stalker vibe. Um, I was pretty impressed with just the production value comparatively, even with um, the limited resources they had. You know, I didn't 
I wasn't coming into this thinking that it would be as much of a stalking, waiting patiently movie, but I thought that was used to pretty good effect. Now, there are some sequences that were certainly a little bit more stretched out and I think padded the runtime, which made the 91 minutes feel more like 120 minutes to me. But at the same time, I think this movie does hold up. I think uh, I think Jamie Lee Curtis was an obvious find as uh, Laurie Strode. And I think it did create an iconic character that was, um, you know, that really inspired um, a whole subgenre of horror. And to be honest, I thought it was very enjoyable. I mean, it's not perfect. There's obvious limitations in the production itself, but for what they had, I thought they did a really good job. And um, yeah, I can see why this one is looked at as like the grandfather of uh, slasher films, because I do think it's better than pretty much most of its copycats, especially for it being two to four years older or even six years older than some of its um, successors. So I liked it. I thought it was good. Yeah, that's probably what I would have expected you to say. And I have to say, I quite agree. I mean, this is, you know, first of all, this movie's from the 70s. So this is getting old, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And to have created a genre, you got to hand it to a film that creates a genre that has been that has been imitated literally thousands of times in the last 45 years. And for the fact that, that this holds up now, let's also make sure that we are clear in saying that this movie has one of the best scores of any, it has the best score, film score, music of any horror film in history. Iconic for sure. Iconic. And I, it's used almost too much. But it's certainly memorable. When you hear that music, there are certain films like Jaws and it, it, there are certain films when you hear the, the the music, you know immediately what they are, right? Close Encounters, um, Indiana Jones, certainly Star Wars, Jaws. But you hear and you know this is Halloween um, when you uh, hear this music. Yeah, 100%. And to be honest, I didn't think that they overdid the soundtrack too much. Definitely in the beginning and the end, like it was more elongated, but... I thought the sound effects and the uh, atmospheric scoring really complimented this movie in many ways. Mm -hmm. I thought, Mm -hmm. I don't know, for some reason, I I know that a lot of these movies are low budget, but this one just felt like an actual movie production compared to Friday the 13th, which felt more like a snuff film or like a student like creation on like a shoestring festival, like circuit sort of budget. And that's not to say that, you know, more independent, smaller movies can't be good but i mean this was only made for about three hundred thousand dollars back in 1978 and the fact that it holds up this well today i don't know i i think there's something to be said about that so i i think i think it just has more of a lasting effect yeah i agree i wish there was a little more backstory on michael myers i mean all of a sudden you just now the the opening scene where he you the visual is him with the mask on so you're watching him go through the house um, with the mask on through the eyes of the mask that's pretty inventive and pretty effective um, but you don't ever hear why he mm. is is crazy um, or you don't ever hear a little bit you know sort of exposition about you know what they uncovered in the in mental hospital that sort of thing let's so I wish there was a little bit more development but that made it would have made it longer than 90 minutes yeah let's so. get into spoilers but I do have to I do have to gently push back on that because I think this movie actually does a way better job at developing its killer or antagonist than 
a lot of other movies of its ilk. And I was kind of surprised to see how much story there was to this more so than just guy comes into town and just kills a bunch of teenagers. I, I actually thought there was a much more flushing out of some of the characters than our recent watches for sure. So um, oh, no doubt, it, which just goes to show you that all of those are imitations of an original idea that was much better executed than, than the successors. Yeah, a hundred percent. So let's go ahead and do you want to move into spoilers or do you have anything else sure. to say about the movie? No, no, let's do it. So yeah. go ahead. I was just going to say, <laughs> you know the deal. If you have not seen Halloween, the original, we recommend that you pause, go watch it, and then come back so you can hear what we thought, um, plot lines, storylines, character things, that sort of thing. Um, and then you can uh, decide if you agree with us or not. So this is spoiler territory. You've been warned. Got it. All right. Um, to answer sort of what you were saying before, I think Michael Myers has actually done really, really well for uh, horror movie antagonist on the one hand they actually do flesh him out give him some backstory okay so he was a murderous child they don't know what caused it but it's he has this blank emotionless uh slate of being and that suggests that he's sociopathic or psychopathic um and he's been held in this mental institution for a super long time up until he's 21 years old but i think it also really ties in well to his character who stalks Laurie Strode because it sets up the backstory early and early in the beginning. And you're just kind of like, okay, why isn't Michael just like running and making his attack immediately? They even said it. He stared at a blank wall past that wall for years, just patiently waiting. So he knows he like, he knows what to do with his time. He knows that when he's stalking these characters, it gives a little bit more of a reason to why he's so patient or why people just see him outside of a window like five, six different times. And yeah, that gets overused a little bit, but I also like that there's still ambiguity to him. Like he's the actual sibling of the main character here, but you don't know what his motivations are. And that's kind of what makes him scary. He has been treated at a mental, mental institution, but you get enough fleshing out of his character without learning too much and i think we've learned in the following halloween movies that this guy is maybe invincible or supernatural to some extent so i wanted to talk about that yeah yeah so in this sense you know especially with the end of the movie where he gets shot multiple times and falls off the uh off that veranda i i think there's enough mythos ambiguity and actual character development uh, balanced out here in a way that I very, very rarely see for horror movie antagonists. So I, I thought it was handled really well. And it does, uh, basically his treatment uh, while he was waiting over the past, you know, 16 years or so leads to how he is now, a patient, silent stalker. So I thought that was done well. I think I liked uh, what I liked most about the um, Michael Myers character is the reference to him as the boogeyman oh, yeah. um, because that just sort of made it, um, how do I say this, relatable in mm -hmm. a sense that, you know, kids are afraid of the boogeyman, right? Mm -hmm. By the way, folks, do not watch that movie. We reviewed that. Not good. This is far better. But anyway, um, the, the the reference to him being the boogeyman and, and the kids who are um, teasing the, the the kid that Lori is is uh, babysitting mm -hmm. and telling them the boogeyman is coming and then 
then there is the boogeyman in Michael. I thought that was really effective. I do want to say, though, that I thought, and your point about some of the scenes were elongated, essentially probably to just lengthen the film. Mm-hmm. But the one friend who's the ba- who is one of the many babysitters, mm-hmm. um, who is played by um, Nancy Keys or Nancy Loomis, mm-hmm. uh, who plays um, Annie, mm-hmm. I thought she was a terrible character. Oh, I couldn't understand why she, why Lori would be friends with her because she was just so um unlikable on every level i was very ready for for michael to get her in fact the build-up to get her when she went into the laundry room Mm -hmm. and you know and then of course the dog dies michael gets the dog you would not get that in a movie in 2023 that's for sure that's the first thing your mom said i did not like that that was really that was honestly a really cruel way to show to to, depict that in the movie and honestly i was kind of shocked that even you know they would have done i can't imagine what that was like looking at that in 1978 like yeah that that was really oddly enough i know it sounds inhuman of me but yeah that was the most uncomfortable part about the movie to me in terms of the violence you know oh absolutely well we're dog lovers and and but your mom said well that would never happen in in 2023 and and she's 100 percent right um you wouldn't see that on film of course but i just thought that her character was just really um unlikable and yeah. i guess maybe that was intentional you were really ready for her to go and michael took his sweet time getting to her but when he did he did so um there was that so yeah i, I thought you know overall it was um you know, it's what you expect, but it's done reasonably well with really good music. And I don't know, I'm just a Jamie Lee Curtis fan. I, you know, you got to hand it to someone who gets, starts their career in this genre and shows up in a lot of films, keeps going back to this genre in this series. Props to her for doing that. Cause she could have said, no, I'm too big of a star now. I don't, I don't need to do that. But she did because she knows what her audience wants and then she does everything everywhere all at once and gets an Academy Award for it. So props to Jamie Lee Curtis, who, by the way, is the daughter of Janet Lee, who was in Psycho. Yeah. 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 And, you know, have you ever heard of the term scream queen or final? Oh, yeah. 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 So I, I think Jamie Lee Curtis is kind of seen as like the originator of mm-hmm. that archetype um, because mm-hmm. I think, uh Sigourney Weaver as Ripley was the year after and so that really did establish like a sort of strong um, recurring theme in horror and especially like you know character type so she's iconic in many ways just for that and I think she's still like to your point I don't think she's uh, shameful of her horror movie past I think she really embraces it and is uh, respectful towards it as well so good for her. And I think she garners respect because of that too which is really you know not something that's pretty typical in Hollywood right you know. You know, she's at she's 64 years old. She has an Oscar. She can do whatever she wants now, right? And the the reality is, is that she's been pretty much doing whatever she wants since. And uh, she's been recognized for it, which also tells you that she's talented, right? Yeah. And it was interesting, too, because, you know, this movie is so much older now. And um, I, I just looked through her filmography. And to be honest, she hasn't really had too much of a career slump at all. I mean, no. even, even if there's been like a period with like two box office bombs, there's another huge box office hit that just, you know, sends her right into the next year. So she's had a very respectable career. And um, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Well, while, we're, while we're on that topic, have you ever seen A Fish Called Wanda? No, but I did see, I, I know about the movie. And then I saw it 
uh, like on the filmography and I was like, oh wow, I forgot this movie. And I saw the poster and it just looks so bizarre. It's hilarious and it's a movie we should do for the pod at some point. So um, anyway, I haven't seen it since I was in college. So, you know, a yeah. couple of years now. Yeah. I'm all for it. So, cool. yeah. You have anything else to say about Halloween? It's a pretty straightforward uh, slasher film that, uh, you know, has um, has created a lot of uh, um, other films over time. Yeah, um, I, I think just in general, we said most of the positive stuff. I think where this movie definitely um, has its limitations is just... Yeah, the stalking part is done well and it's explained in the story, but I do feel like it is overdone a little bit. Like, you know, you'll just see him outside a window and then that loses its luster um, for the fifth or sixth time when he's doing that in the house and you're just kind of like, okay, I get that he's patient, but it's also just like... Do something. Yeah, is, is, is this to <laughs> make it 91 minutes or is this just was this meant to be part of the film? Who knows? I'm not sure. But I, I think that's just a limitation of its production and day, perhaps. But um, I, I think that's just... And the acting itself, I don't think is all that great with the supporting characters. But no. you know, that aside, um, it is a pretty strong movie. And I really enjoyed it. And the entertainment value that you get from a movie like that, even, you know, 40-something-odd years later, it's um, it's pretty cool to see that it can still be this enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say my cons are, I've already mentioned the character um, who's her friend, Annie, is just insufferable. Um, I would also say, I mean, the doctor, really the, the, the psychiatrist is, is not going to make his way to Haddonfield and be on the lookout for Michael. That That's just not realistic. He would turn him over to the authorities and they'd be on the lookout for him. So there was that. But, you know, again, this is a, the OG slasher film or genre so you know you got to take some some leaps with it right yeah absolutely and you know what we're not expecting it all to be the super clever tightly you know made no. uh you know individual film as it is it does what it sets out to do and i think roger ebert did a really good job about this when he reviewed movies when you take a look at it for what it was meant to do and what it was meant to be it does that really well it did that well yeah. back then, and I think it actually does that well today as well. So yeah, yeah, I completely agree. So uh, Noah, it's a relatively short film, so it's a relatively short review on a scale of one to five Z's. What are you giving 1978 John Carpenter's Halloween? I am giving 1978's John Carpenter's Halloween three and a half Z's out of five. Okay. It's a good movie. I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I think I probably liked it a little bit more than uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street. And I think it's a good way to end off the month. And I'm glad that I have now seen it because it is kind of the definitive Halloween movie when it comes it to It is. You can't really be a horror movie film fan without seeing Halloween. So we we are now officially horror films, horror film fans. Um, I'm going to give it three Zs. I, I liked it. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know that I'm necessarily going to go watch it again. Sure. But of the three movies that we have seen since Rosemary's Baby, and they are A Nightmare on Elm Street, and then Friday the 13th, and now Halloween. This is the strongest of the three, and it's the original of the three, so it's certainly the others were inspired heavily by this. So I'm giving Halloween three star, three Zs. All right. Sounds like a plan. Okay. Very, All cool. Right. Very cool. Okay. Let's transition to check it out. I've got one while you think. Okay. Okay. Uh, and this one, surprise, surprise, is a streaming show. And that show is Ahsoka. 
So I have finished Ahsoka. Have you finished it, Noah? No, I'm actually surprised because you didn't let me know that. I figured that you had just kind of stopped around the point where I had uh, stopped too. No, I finished it on this week's business trip. Um, Ahsoka. So how do I put this? I do think it's worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen now Mandalorian season one and two, the book of Boba Fett, as well as uh, Kenobi. And I would say this is in the top half of those. Um, although I liked Book of Boba Fett, Kenobi was disappointing for me, although I enjoyed some of it. This is, um, visually, this is a pretty strong strong TV show. Yeah. I mean, the last episode is especially impressive visually. All of it feels very familiar, though, right? It does, but I, I do think it's this, too. I did not watch Star Wars Rebels, and I think I did not either. If you have watched all the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, then it's really, really special. And some of my friends who are really fawning over it have done that, and they have that opinion. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that from what I've seen so far, I have enjoyed it. Um, it's not the best Star Wars thing in the world, but like you said, it's it's up there with the new Star Wars media. I hear you. The other thing I would say, though, is my really good friend, Chris, who has seen every form of Star Wars media ever. Um, I asked him on Tuesday before I watched the final episode what he thought, because I thought he was going to say, oh, my gosh, it was amazing. It was life changing. Not at all. He was, in fact, a little disappointed in the final final episode. So and he has great awareness of, you know, the um, Star Wars Rebels and any other the cartoons that we have not seen. Gotcha. So, what yeah. that's worth I, i'm gonna i'm gonna say hi i do highly recommend it but if you're expecting something that you haven't seen before in one iteration or another in star wars then you're gonna be disappointed yeah yeah i uh and i honestly don't think rosario dawson as ahsoka is good at all i think she's the weakest link the rest of them are really strong but i, I like rosario rosario dawson but i don't like her as ahsoka i can't see anybody else playing her honestly i yeah. I think she's well cast. All right, cool. So uh, for me, I'm going to do a quick one. So I'm not sure if we ever talked about Pet Cemetery here. Um, I did. That's a good movie. Yeah. So I read the book, I think back in like eighth or ninth grade. And uh, we saw the, I guess, rebooted movie that came out in 2018 or 19. It's a really good movie. Um, really good movie. Surprisingly so, especially with Stephen King's uh, hit or miss sort of uh, adaptations. But um, a new Pet Cemetery movie uh, for the October Halloween season is out on Paramount Plus right now, and it's a prequel. It's called Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. Now, I think if you watch horror movies, you're used to varying levels of quality. This one is not supposed to be amazing. It's not supposed to be really bad. But um, at the same time, you know, it's supposed to be better than your average straight to streaming sort of thing here. Um, and honestly, if you haven't seen any of the Pet Cemetery movies, you could probably just start with giving this one a watch if you do have Paramount+. Plus. I don't know a single soul who does besides us, but hey, um, I guess that's another way to watch Yellowstone too, or maybe if you have Peacock, not entirely sure. But Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, that is out streaming on Paramount+, Plus. if you're looking for an extra quick dose of horror movie madness this month. Okay, well, I might check it out. I have the version of... Um paramount plus with commercials so it's less appealing to me but you know we'll see 
Ooh, by the way, wanted to ask before we finish off here, how did you watch Halloween? How'd you stream it? I bought it off Apple TV Plus. I watched it on Plex and oh. I had a 130 minute commercial or 130 second commercial breaks in between key moments of the movie. So oh, wow. I basically watched cable, <laughs> a cable movie, essentially. Yeah, that was an interesting experience. So that's that's one thing I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but you didn't spend four dollars and twenty six cents on it or whatever. So. No, but then I spent five dollars on a movie that I watched right after it. So which was? Uh, it's called Martyrs. I would not recommend it to you. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that concludes our episode on Halloween from 1978. We're going to do a bonus for episode next week, and that is going to be uh, a conversation about uh, Mike Flanagan's The Fall of the House of Usher, which is an Edgar Allan Poe uh, creation. But this is on Netflix. It just dropped yesterday, and Noah and I are big Mike Flanagan fans, largely because of Midnight Mass, which we highly recommend you check out. That's from last year or two years ago. And Dr. Sleep. Oh, and I did not realize that. So yeah, highly recommend. Um, he also did the, uh, the Haunting of Hill House, which I did not like, and The Haunting of Bly Manor, which I didn't finish, but I liked better. So I know that doesn't sound like a, such a great endorsement, but Midnight Mass was incredible. So I have high hopes for this, and I'm looking forward to it. So we're going to do a full episode on those eight episodes um, next week. So tune yeah. in for that. Yeah. Uh, really looking forward to that. He's a really talented guy. And I think it's a good way to do it because this is like Netflix production send off, I believe. I think this is the last one. Oh, exclusive. Okay. So yeah. All right. Well, in that case, thank you for listening to another review with us and just sticking with us week by week, year by year, since we are going to be coming up on our third full Three year, year anniversary. We'll be starting our fourth year in January, Noah. I know it's wild. Season three, mm -hmm. I think we're like 150 episodes in, maybe more, maybe less. That's yeah. Right now. So. We got some really good feedback on some episodes this week, so we appreciate our our listeners uh, tuning in. So please continue to do so. Uh, and until next week, I am Greg. I'm Noah. And this is Easy Talk. <laughs>